Amen. He will hold us fast. I love that line in, in the, the song that we just sang. <clears throat> Those he saves are his delight. <laughs> what, a, what a sweet truth. You know that, guys? Do you realize that if you're in Christ tonight? Those he saves, you are his delight because of what he's done for you through his son. Absolutely incredible. And we, wanna, we want to be freshly amazed by such truth tonight. Good evening, guys. Good evening. It is a joy to be with you. It's a joy to throw the ball around with you. It's a joy to see all of your faces tonight. I know we come from, perhaps it's midweek, and we've had some trials. We've had some struggles along life's journey this week. And so I just pray that you'll be comforted tonight by, by God's Word. Now, please don't answer out loud, okay? Only in your mind. This might be hard to, to you'll want to shout this out, but please don't shout it out, okay? What are the top three things you hate? Quiet. Keep it to yourself. Just a couple seconds. The top three things that you hate. Make sure you line them up. Get them there. Don't just let your mind wander. Get them specific. See them written down. Top three things you hate. You got them? You were probably done five, ten seconds ago, no? Okay, you're still working on it? If I give you enough time, you sh- I'm sure you'll find those things. Now, this shouldn't come as a surprise to you, uh, to all of us tonight, but one of the strongest negative words in the universe is the word hate. Now, it may not seem like so strong of a, of a word when you're talking about things or circumstances like, I hate it when it rains, or I hate vegetables, or... Or I hate that movie. But maybe the word will get a little stronger if we say things like, or if you hear people say things like, I hate animals. Or get more specifically, like, I I hate dogs. And you're a dog lover, right? It's getting stronger now, right? Or I hate getting sick, okay? Or, (laughs) God forbid anyone say, I hate that football team, right? Because people can really take offense to that, especially if it's your favorite football team. How about if someone says to your face, and you know this person well and really good acquaintance, and, and you, you're not too sure about what's going on here, but they come up to your face and they say, I, exactly, I hate you. Now, I ask you, can that word get any stronger if someone comes up to your face and they say, I hate you? I mean, think about it. Think about it awfully strong, right? Can it get any stronger than that? The answer is yes. But how? And this is how the word hate can get even stronger than someone offending you by saying they hate you. And it's like this. When God is the one who says he hates something. Please open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 6. And we're going to have a short study on the hatred of God tonight. Perhaps you didn't expect us tonight, <laughs> middle of Passion Week, to, to, to study um, the hatred of God, a study of divine hatred. And we're going to see how it's explained tonight in Proverbs chapter 6 by Solomon. By Solomon. Proverbs chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 16 to 19. 16 to 19 is our text for tonight. 
the Word of God reads by the Holy Spirit through the pen of King Solomon. There are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to Him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among brothers. Guys, our theme in light of our text tonight will be glorifying God and loving others by hating what He hates. Our theme is glorifying God and loving others by hating what He hates. Now, you might be thinking, wait, hold on, stop one, a second there. I thought God is love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says, God is love. And you'd be right. You'd be absolutely right. But God, who is love, also hates evil. In fact, the biblical argument can be made that you cannot truly love God and others unless you have a holy hatred for what goes against the law and love of God, right? And so in keeping with our text and theme tonight, I would add this. We become better lovers when we become better haters. We become better lovers when we become better haters. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 8 says, There is a time to love and there is a time to hate. Interesting. And thankfully, God's word is clear on when this timing is when we are supposed to hate. And so real briefly, our context is here, we're in the book of Proverbs, okay? Now, you guys have gone over the books of the Bible and, and, and themes. Can anyone remember what the theme of Proverbs is? Well, let's take an opportunity for some water. Yes. Yeah, very, very good. Yeah. Wisdom for daily life or wisdom for the, even the details of life. Yeah. Wisdom for the details of life. The author, again, I already said it a moment ago, who's the author of the majority of Proverbs? Pa pardon? Solomon, that's right, Solomon. Solomon is son of King David. He was the richest, wisest man who ever lived. And Proverbs, we'll, we'll see here, is a manual of God's wisdom, get this now, given to you. Very specifically, you. You know how I know that? Because if you go back to chapter 1, verse 4, it says, given, written to, for the youth. Now, youth is really, you know what youth is really considered? 30s, early 30s, and younger. You're considered a youth. Pretty cool, huh? So, this is a manual of God's wisdom. If you, were to, if, you, if you were to have nothing else, like, hey, I'm a teen, I'm a, what's the book I get? I'd say, other than the Gospels, you need Proverbs. Because God's Word says it's written to you, the youth. And it is filled with nuggets upon nuggets upon nuggets of, of details of wisdom and help for, and wisdom for life to live a good life unto the glory of God. 
Now, in our immediate context tonight, if you were in chapter 6, if you back up to verses 6 and you just scan with your eyes just verses 6 to 11, you'll see that Solomon there is warning and instructing the slothful, lazy men. Those who simply love to do nothing. And then you go forward to chapter 6, verses 12 to 15. He describes the wicked man and warns him of his end if he keeps on his path of pursuing righteousness, because this is his nature. And so this brings us to our seven-point sermon tonight, okay? Seven points, okay? And I think you know why it's seven points, because we're going to see seven things here that the Lord hates. We have no PowerPoint tonight. I figured our PowerPoint could be just the Scriptures as you look at your Bibles. And so we're going to see these seven points that Solomon makes, beginning with his introduction In verse 16, verse 16 reads again, There are six things which the Lord hates, yes, seven, which are an abomination to him. Now, we've got to stop here. There's a a couple of facts we have to talk about here, because I don't know about you, but doesn't that sound a little interesting, how he said that? There are six things. Yes, seven. (laughs) What's up with that? Well, if that caught your attention tonight, that was his purpose. Because this was a common Hebrew way of catching the reader's attention by putting emphasis really on the last point. On everything, yes, but especially the last point that was on the list. You'll see this if you go to Proverbs 30, verses 15 to 17, uses the same method to catch their attention. Proverbs 30, 18 and 19, uses the same method to catch their attention. Job and Amos use the same method to catch the reader's attention to say, hey guys, Listen up. That's what he's saying here. And just as a side note, just because our text says there's six things which the Lord hates, yes, seven, this doesn't mean that these are the only things that, that the Lord God Almighty hates, okay? So don't, don't use that as an excuse because, oh, hey, the list doesn't say stealing. God doesn't hate stealing. <laughs> or God doesn't hate disobeying or dishonoring your parents. It's all-encompassing, and I think you guys know that already. So in our text at the beginning here, You see the word abomination. These seven things are an abomination to him. Now, can anyone tell me what an abomination is? And don't say it's when someone bombs a nation, okay? Don't don't do that. What's an abomination? Something that's really, really bad. Exactly. Exactly. That's an abomination. It's something really that it's so bad that it causes disgust. It it causes the the turning away of, of the of the head. Think of, think of seeing someone, some mean person coming up to an old, blind, crippled dog and just kicking it over and over again. To you, your guys, yeah, have you heard that? Oh, oh so that's like an abomination. That's a disgusting. Oh, turn your, turn your face from that, right? Now, we should really fast forward and, and, and go to the wrath of God upon his son, really. That's an abomination because, because the Holy Lamb of God was taking the sins of the world upon himself. So, it's something obviously that God loathes, he detests, he despises because it's offensive to him and his character. And just one quick Old Testament example is false gods. Remember the, the false god Moloch, the god of Moloch in 1 Kings 11.5? He was the, the detestable god of the Ammonites. And the word Moloch 
means ruler of shameful sacrifice. And these sacrifices would include child sacrifices. Think of, think of infant babies being sacrificed unto this God. Why? Why? Because the people were deluded and, and thought, if you do this, then the God of Molech will bless you financially. And you will have prosperity. Now, you might say tonight, okay, obviously, creating false gods who command these things, yeah, that's an abomination. That's terrible. And your attitude would be right. But what about something like the love of money or the approval of, wanting the approval of man and, and self-righteousness? Because in Luke 16, 15, Jesus tells the Pharisees, what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. And you know what he was talking about there in the context, what, the, what Jesus was saying to the Pharisees? He was rebuking them for their love of money and the approval of men and their self-righteousness. <laughs> That's an abomination to God. Question, do we have any abominations in our lives tonight, I wonder? Anything swimming around in our hearts that, as our text says, God hates? So, Solomon, by the Holy Spirit tonight, scans us from head to toe in our text. Keeping in mind our theme, glorifying God and loving others by hating what he hates. So, Proverbs 6, 17, our first point is haughty eyes. And this is really the sin of attitude. The sin of attitude. How do we know this? Because... Proverbs 18, verse 12 says, Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. It's translated proud. Proud. Guys, the utmost evil is pride. The root of all sin stems from pride. Pride leads to every other sin because it is the complete anti-God state of mind. And all sin is anti-God. It was pride that made the devil become who he is. Because if you read in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, you see Satan's attitude. You see how he fell from his high and lofty position. You see Satan's attitude there. He wanted to be higher than the most high. He wanted to be lofty. He wanted to be exalted. And then he was cast down with a third of the angels because of his pride, because of his haughtiness, because of his attitude. This is the idea, haughtiness now, is the idea of looking down on others. You look down on others. And you don't have to be a tall person to look down on others with haughty eyes. Some examples. What about when you brag about yourself? What about when you show yourself in some way to be bigger and better than others? What about when you boast about your smarts and your intellect? You boast about your wealth and how rich you are and how much stuff you have. You boast about your looks, about your physique. You boast about your accomplishments and whatever powers you might have. You show off. You make fun of others. This is something that God clearly hates. Haughty eyes is an abomination to him. 
What's in your heart attitude? God knows. He knows how you look down on others, even if you don't ever express it outwardly. But God knows. So we move from the eyes to the tongue. Point two. It also hates a lying tongue, which this is obviously the sin of speech, right? Not about you, but I talk a lot in a day. I know you guys talk a lot in a day, too. I know I said that boys say about, you know, 20,000 words in a day, maybe, and girls <laughs> speak sometimes double that in a day. I get that. <clears throat> but we're talking about lying here. What is a lying tongue? Proverbs 19.9 says this of the one who lies, he who speaks lies shall perish, shall perish. Proverbs 26.28, a lying tongue hates those it crushes. What? It's just a lie. I, what, I wasn't meaning to crush anyone's spirit. I, it, it, Proverbs 26.28 says a lying tongue hates those it crushes. Some examples. Have you ever said something like this? I don't really know what happened. I didn't slam the door. Yeah, I, cl I cleaned my room. I didn't hear you. I didn't do it. Those are some clear, outright things that you and your heart, you know, you did those things. You did them. Or, let's get a little, let's go a bit more difficult here, okay? Uh, what about uh, those things called little white lies? First of all, they're not little. Second of all, they're not pure white. They're black. Okay? Now, what's another term for, for lies or, or little white lies that are seemingly uh, harmless? It's called exaggerations. When you exaggerate something, it's actually a lie. Now, what does a lying tongue do, really, if we are to boil it all down? What are we doing when we lie? This is what we're doing. You're seeking to protect yourself, and you're attempting to make yourself look better. That's what you're doing in a lie. Just look at Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. Getting their makeup on, getting their dress, coming, coming to give their, their money to the church, and they lie to the Holy Spirit. They lie to Peter and the apostles, and they fall dead on their face because they lied to God, not, not just to man. They lied to God. All of our lies are before God. Boy, what a church service that must have been that morning. <laughs> One person dead. The deacons take him out. Second person, oh, and here comes the wife, falls dead because she lied. Deacons, take him out. Why? Because they lied. Guys, we don't think... We don't think lying's a big deal. We have to confess tonight. Lying, God hates it. We've all done it. And again, just as pride spawned from Satan's heart, so too lying is Satan's native language. John 8, 44. There is no truth in him. He is a liar and the father of lies. So, you ready for a little quiz? With the first two abominations that we just looked at, who are we actually acting like when we do these things that God hates? Satan. We're acting like Satan. On that joyful note, 
Let's move to point number three. What else does he hate? Hands that shed innocent blood. This is the sin of anger. At the end of verse 17, you'll see in your Bibles. Listen, sin left unchecked easily leads to a Cain and Abel situation. In fact, God told Cain in Genesis 4-7, Cain, he warned him, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Listen, guys, <laughs> murderers didn't plan on being murderers. You understand that? They didn't wake up some morning when they were 8, 9, 10 years old and think, hmm, I think when I'm 16 or when I'm 26, I'm going to go murder people because of the envy and the jealousy in my heart or because I'm not getting what I want. They never planned on it. James 4, 1 to 2, gives us a ginormous warning about this, though. James 4, verse 1, You lust and do not have, so you murder. That is hatred proceeding from envy and not getting what you want. You might think, well, okay, yeah, that's true, but I'm not as bad as Cain or Satan. I haven't used my hands to shed innocent blood. At least I hope not. But I'm sure that's what most of you say tonight. But I would encourage you to listen up real carefully now to 1 John 3.15. Listen to what it says. 1 John 3.15. Whoever hates his brother is a... A what? A murderer. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer? Well... Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell, Matthew 5, 22. In other words, Jesus is exposing violent, murderous hearts, the mistreatment of one another. Jesus is really pointing out there as well, not just the heart, but he's going even to the, to the extent of because of what your mouth says reveals your heart, therefore you have a murderous heart. So he's even touching on, even if you say fool, you call someone fool. Jesus is even ad addressing name-calling here tonight. <laughs> you idiot. I can't stand you. Forget you. And you guys could go on and give more examples, I'm sure. The author of all life hates it when you do that against an image bearer of him. And so should every soul here tonight. Should hate it. These are murderous words. So, another pop quiz. Who was a murderer from the beginning, according to John 8, 44? Yeah. Also Satan. We're on a, we're on, there's kind of a theme here. There's kind of a trap going on here. Exactly. We're following in the footsteps of Satan. Number four, point four. God also hates a heart that devises wicked plans. This is what we could call the sin of imagination in verse 18. Now, according to Genesis 6, 5, why did God send the worldwide flood? According to Genesis 6, 5. Remember what it says? It says, the wickedness of man was great on the earth. Every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Jesus said in Mark 7, 21, 
For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, thefts, murderers, adulteries, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. The soul that devises wicked plans is one who is really, really letting the imagination wander. Letting the imagination wander. Be careful. Because if you're not putting on your armor, according to Ephesians 6, you're not just failing to plan. You're actually planning to fail. One example would be King King David. Remember David's easygoing, wandering eye on that breezy spring afternoon? It led to a look, which led to lust, which then led to adultery, which then led to lying, and his lying led to murder. 2 Samuel 11. Making plans, evil plans, guys, is easy if you're not taking every thought captive to the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word. Has your heart ever devised a plan to um, disrespect or disobey your parents or, or any authority? You know, in the quietness of your heart, through bed, late at night. What about you social media users? on Facebook and all those other platforms. Do you approve of wickedness by liking or sharing things that bring dishonor to Christ? Do you listen eagerly when someone shares the latest gossip about someone? Do you allow your mind and ears to receive malicious, mean talk and slander about another? If so, you're actually guilty of approving what God hates. And therefore, you know what you're doing? You are tempting your heart to devise wicked plans. If your heart and imaginations are idle, danger. Perhaps you've heard this said before. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. They are. We are ten times more likely to be guilty of this sin of devising wicked plans in our hearts when we give no thought to God in the daily plans of our heart. The Bible explicitly, on the opposite end, tells us to instead trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge, acknowledge Him. This is how we do that. And He will make your paths straight. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. But if you fail to acknowledge God in your planning, you are passively planning to do what is wicked. Passively. Now, on the active march, Satan is the greatest planner of wickedness ever since the Garden of Eden. This is the course he runs hard and fast. Devising wicked plans. And speaking of running after that, look at the end of verse 18. See the connection here between imagination, your thoughts, and action here in point number five. Because a heart that devises wicked plans will have, number five, feet that run rapidly to evil. This is the sin of action. You see how it's a downward spiral here? Evil is that which causes injury, distress, disaster, trouble, damage, harm, destruction. Any will, evil is this, any will, attitude, or action that rebelliously stiff arms God's will. That's what's evil. Guys, don't think that, oh, that 
that evil movie, okay? <laughs> or that evil monster, or that, that silly, that's all, that's all, yeah, it might be evil, but it's, it's not evil according to what we're talking about here. We're talking about the will, the attitude, and the feet that run rapidly after it. If you're devising wicked plans in your hearts, you will inevitably have feet that run hard and fast to sin. If you are just, again, lazy and not putting the armor of God on, your feet will swiftly run toward evil. If sinful imaginations are nurtured and fed, they eventually lead to outward acts of sin, right? Right? Our feet follow our thoughts. Our feet follow our thoughts. God's Word warns us, Proverbs 23, 7, As he thinks within himself, so he is. Proverbs 23, 7. Some examples. I'm not going to have anybody come up here (laughs) and give the examples. I'll just give a couple for you, okay? What about vandalizing property? What about a joke that only causes hurt or embarrassment? What about just letting your tongue run wild, right? Proverbs 10, 19 says, Where words are many, man, transgression is unavoidable. It's not lacking. What about the things you search for and run hard after for on the computer or the phone or movies or music or any entertainment? What about the kind of conversations you thirst after and just gotta have? You find your feet, the feet of your heart, that is, running rapidly to evil. Question. Do you hate seeing others run rapidly to evil? Come on. You're in Christ tonight and you see a, a friend, a brother, a sister running rapidly to to that which is sinful and and evil, you're probably like, ugh, no. If so, that that is good, but you must hate seeing the same thing in yourself. It's, It's nothing to hate them in others. We must learn to recognize inward sins before they are birthed into action. Inward sin left unaddressed will boil up and will always in some way spill over into our actions. Guys, don't deceive yourself. Don't deceive yourself. Don't think you can harbor this thought, this imagination, and not have the feet of your life of your, or, or of your, your, your body or your tongue not run then hard after it. Don't deceive yourself. It will come about in some way, in some fashion. And so speaking of some more sinful deeds, that brings us to point six. Number six, the sixth thing God hates, a false witness who breathes out lies. This is the sin of the tongue, again, much like the second abomination that we just saw, God hating a lying tongue. But this one refers to those who are so used to lying that they'll, with ease, give a false testimony, even in the courts, before the jury, before the judge, without thinking twice, without any nerves flowing through their body. This is one who is so accustomed and used to deceiving others that even before a judge, even after putting his hand on the Bible and saying, I swear to tell the truth, 
the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. And yet they still so easily breathe out lies and give a false witness without thinking twice. Is it easy for you to lie? Is giving a false witness so frequent in your life that it's as normal as breathing? Breathed out lies. Brings us to the seventh thing that that God hates. And this is really a buildup. There is a lot of emphasis here. Why? Why? Because we would step back and we would, we would honestly say, okay, these first six things, I can see how God would hate that. Okay, now I think I get it. Yeah, these are an abomination to him. But then the seventh one might surprise you. Okay, it says, one who spreads strife among brothers. Hmm. It doesn't seem so bad. Well, the word strife is one who sows discord. Okay, it's like, it's like you're walking around with all these seeds that are just filled with unkindness and, and hatred, and you're just dropping them in the, in the soil of people's hearts around you just to create conflicts and fights and quarrels, and, 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 and you get a kick out of it. Guilty. As a child, this was my number one hobby. As a child, this was a sport to me. I can think as early as the age of seven, maybe eight. I loved it, and I was good at it. I could irritate, I could frustrate, I could gossip, I could do all these previous six things that God hates to build to this spreading of strife just by, just by my attitude, just by my eyes, just by my, my words. So easy. And this is the sin of influence. And, and it sure influenced the kids around me in the neighborhood and at my church. Proverbs 16, 28 says, A perverse man spreads strife, and a slanderer, a whisperer, separates intimate friends. Proverbs thirteen ten, Where there is strife, there is pride. There is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. Dear students tonight, take advice. Take advice from God's Word, wholeheartedly. Take advice from your parents, from your youth leaders. You want to grow in wisdom and in love? Take advice. God hates troublemakers who enjoy dividing others. Those who stir up conflicts in the family, wars between nations, separation within a group of friends, divisions among the church, and you know this is coming... Who else loves to see this happen across the world? Satan. That's right. What kind of influence are you being? Are you a troublemaker? Are you a peacemaker? Do you spread strife wherever you go? Proverbs 10.12 says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses, all transgressions. Listen, guys, strife cannot exist where love rules. <laughs> it can't. And when we allow ourselves to become embroiled in strife, we have said no to love. We have said no to God. We have said no to His wisdom. 
after seeing this list briefly tonight, I think we get it, right? All sin is an abomination to God, right? All sin separates us from God and is detestable to Him. Guys, listen, the smallest sin, uh, and there is no small sin, <laughs> okay? <laughs> but but get, ro- roll with me here, okay? <laughs> the smallest sin is an offense to the holiness of God and brings down the thundering wrath of God upon us. And so... God's hatred of sin makes Christ Jesus' sacrifice on the cross all the more amazing. Why? Because it was at the cross that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 Listen, worship him tonight as the sin-hating God and and the sin-bearing God that He is. Marvel at this tonight. Jesus took our abominations. This whole list that we are all guilty of that we went through tonight in Proverbs 6, we're guilty of it. And Jesus took all of our abominations and all the guilt and shame that goes with it. He took it all upon Himself in His body. And then He gives us the gift of His righteousness in return so that we can be accepted by the Father and have our welcome entrance into heaven and glory forever. This is incredible. And by the way, all those who put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. You'll be saved from the wrath of God that you justly deserve, even as we sang tonight. But justice has been satisfied as we just sang in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the good news which we proclaim day in and day out until He returns. Question, are you a new creation in Christ? Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you love Him? If so, then Psalm 97 verse 10 is yours. And it's a command... Are you ready for it? Kind of goes with our theme tonight. Psalm 97, verse 10. Hate evil, you who love the Lord. Did you hear that command? Mom, Dad, you know, the, the teacher that night said, we're to hate. Don't stop there. <laughs> What's the rest of the sentence say? Well, Psalm 97, verse 10. Hate evil, you who love the Lord. Hate evil. Hate evil. You guys need to, we all need to continually grow in understanding what sin is and being quicker and quicker and quicker to detect it in our lives. Psalm 97, 10. Hate evil, you who love the Lord. Our theme is glorifying God and loving others by hating what He hates. Because the truth is, we become better lovers when we become better haters. So, so what have we seen tonight in this list? Really, Proverbs 6, it's really a list of put-offs, right? We should be putting this off from our life, right? What have we seen in this list of put-offs? Because our Savior hates it. 
and therefore his children hate it and as well. And now we want to put on Christ's likeness and practice the goodness and righteousness of the King. Do you know why? Because you can if you're in Christ. If you're a new creation, you've been given a new nature, you can. You hate it? Excellent. Put it off. Start getting rid of it. Don't mess with it. Don't toy with it. As the world says you can and you will be left unharmed. No, that's friendly fire, but that's deadly stuff. It's deadly. So, with, with all of this in mind, instead of giving an action plan tonight and to give you application tonight, this text is so clear and so straightforward of, of what God says He hates. Instead of giving you a couple of points to apply right now, I, I want to take a few moments now to, to pray for us. In light of this passage tonight, and, and ask the Lord to, to help each of us apply each area of this text tonight to our lives. And then with your leaders afterwards, I want you to, to talk through how you can, with the Spirit's help, apply the, the put-ons. What would be the put-ons then? What would be the opposite of what God hates here? I want you to talk through that with your, your small group leaders tonight. What you need to put on, what you need to put off so that you can live, guys, joyfully, joyfully in the truth by His grace. So let me pray for you and then you can have that, that time of, of sharpening and and confession and rejoicing in His grace together with, with your small group leaders. So, so let's pray together. Heavenly Father, uh, pray that you would keep us from haughty eyes. Lord, please keep us from, from pride and, and from only looking out for ourselves. Lord, we pray for humility tonight that we would walk in your humility, that we would put others above ourselves, Lord, instead of looking out only for ourselves. Lord, we pray for humble eyes tonight. Lord, keep us from a lying tongue. Help us to, to, to speak truth always, always. When we're pressed into a moment and we're, we're trapped for self-preservation or, or any motive to lie, we ask that you would help us to speak the truth. Lord, we pray you would keep us from shedding innocent blood, from, from hurting anyone in, in any way, and that we would walk in your kindness and gentleness, and that you would guard us from anger that, that leads to hurting with our words, hurting with our actions, hurting with our attitudes. God, please keep us from a, a heart that devises wicked plans. Oh God, that our, that our hearts would devise good plans, pure plans, right plans, and that we would desire and, and devise that which is good and pleasing in your sight. Lord, please keep us from, from making haste to run to evil. Cause our, our feet to, to run to good, to, to run to that which is excellent, to run away from evil. Help us not to flirt with, toy with, rationalize with sin. Help us to run from it and make haste to run to you, 
God, keep us, we pray, from being false witnesses who breathe out lies. Make us true witnesses who breathe out the truth, for you delight in those who are trustworthy. Lord, keep us from sowing discord among brothers and sisters. Make us peacemakers instead. Help us to promote unity. Just as you, Jesus, and the Father are one, please help us to promote that kind of oneness among each other. God, we pray for your help in all these ways. May the list of these abominations we've seen tonight in your word not characterize our lives. But by your grace, Lord, free us from these things to walk in your ways, in your wisdom, in your love, so that others may see you in us. And it's in your name that we ask these things and that you would ultimately be glorified in our lives tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.